here today. Please stand with us. Let's worship the Lord today in song. Listen our voices to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.
Would you turn to your neighbor this morning? Please just greet them as we are just rejoicing in who we are in Christ today. It is wonderful to see you guys lifting your voices and praising the King of Kings.
guys can have a seat. Welcome to Crossroads. It's a good morning. Everybody excited to be here? Yeah, amen. Yeah. Listen, uh, I, I have a few things to keep your calendar updated and fresh, um, but I want to welcome all of our guests uh, in the house. Um, I'm glad that you're here, and listen, I want to encourage you, please stop by the Welcome Center. Uh, we'd love to really just get to talk with you and hang out with you, and we, have a, we do have a gift for you, so and we encourage you. Uh, to stop by, um, but but really the gift is just saying we're just thrilled that you're here. There's something that we have here that we want to share with you, and that's all about Jesus. And so we would love to talk with you about that and, and encourage you along the way. So all of our guests, stop by the Welcome Center before you leave, and we'd love to connect with you. And uh, you guys welcome Ray Beckinger to the stage. Ray, come on up. So Ray's got an announcement for us. So Ray, what you got for us? All right, everyone, as you can see on the screens right now, uh, our car cruise is starting May 30th, uh, 5 to 8.30. Love to have a bunch of people out there. That is one time that us guys at the hot rods, trucks, bikes can get together and tell little lies. That's one of two times we're allowed to lie by God. The other is when we fish. So you could ask Ken. He could vouch for me on that one. Uh, but uh, what we're here tonight today for is I'm going to be asking for volunteers uh, next Sunday, May 7th, after the... 12 or 11 o'clock service. Uh, we should be around 12:15 if Ken can finish on time. Of course, I can't promise the time, but we will be here. Um, that being said, uh, looking for volunteers to help out in the kitchen, serving out in the parking lot, helping out. But uh, we're going to be getting together. Uh, there's pamphlets, flyers out in the uh, uh, entryway that you could share with friends. Have cars, bikes, anything they want to share. Uh, bring them up, and we'd love to have you. Did forget. If you can't make it and you want to show interest, you can always fill out the connect card, put at the bottom that it's for the car cruise, and you can uh, show us your interest that way as well. Thanks, Ray. Yeah, give Ray a hand. Come on. Listen, he, he gives you a hand every week and when he shakes, so there you go. That one's for my, uh, my one dad joke I'm allowed today. All right, so if you are interested in helping out and being a part of the team that serves at the car cruise, that Connect card in front of you, you can just fill out your first and last name and a contact number or an email, and then uh, just write at the bottom, I want to join that car cruise team, or just write car cruise, and then uh, put it in the offering box as you leave, or you could find Ray and just give it to him. Uh, but that's going to be on uh, May 7th is going to be that informational meeting, so please plan to be there if you can. Just let us know if you're interested, and we'll reach out to you. I'll let you guys know today's our Next Steps membership class, and so that's going to be right after the second service in the canopy room right below us, and that's going to start at 1230. Uh, so if you would still like to go, please stop by the Welcome Center uh, as you leave, and then we'll, uh, we'll make sure you find where we're going to be at and get connected that way so, and signed up. So if you would like to be there, that's going to be right at 1230 after the second service. And then uh, on, on uh, May 7th, we're having the Mother-Daughter Spa Day. And so you can RSVP online and see all the details online. So come on out for the second service. And then afterwards, plan to moms and daughters plan to join uh, all the moms and daughters over in the gym. Uh, and that's going to start at 1230. And you can RSVP online. And then June 7th, looking ahead, uh, we're having uh, an, a, a study called the Mama Bear Apologetics. So don't let the title fool you. Uh, it's for anybody, for moms and for dads. Uh, if your kids are still in school, if they're out of school, if you don't have kids and you're just really interested in kind of knowing what uh, some of the, the cultural issues that we're battling, the lies most importantly, and knowing how to and really know how to challenge them with biblical truth. And so that's what the study is all about. 
Uh, there's child care. It's going to be 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, it's going to be a six-week study. My wife and I, Jesse, are going to be leading this study. And so uh, we're going to look at the different cultural issues and the lies that we're facing and our kids are facing. Uh, and we're going to really help them ch- be able to challenge those and know how to uh, stay grounded in their faith and, and be able to uh, know the truth that we find in God's word as they challenge these lies in our culture. So that's going to be June 7th. This is for couples. Uh, it's for mamas and papas. <laughs> but uh, don't let the title fool you. Um, you can see online all the information about that, and then you can also register for that class, uh, for that study. That's going to be on June 7th. Uh, guys, listen. As we grow in the Lord, he grows us in many different ways, and he challenges us, and he points out the areas that we can grow in. And so, church, thank you for being faithful and giving, uh, worshiping the Lord. Uh, You can give online, you can give through the mail, or you can give uh, right here in person uh, using the offering boxes on the wall. But um, truly, thank you for being faithful unto the Lord and giving. Would you stand with me this morning as we uh, continue in song, and then as we continue our series, uh, But God, here in, in a few minutes. Lord, uh, we, uh, we, we just want to bless you. We just want to bless you. We want to praise you. We want to thank you. Uh, thank you for everything. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for our, our families, for the relationships that we have, for this place that we can meet and gather. God, it's, um, it's something that I know that it's easy. I know I take it for granted sometimes. And so, Lord, thank you for everything. Truly, thank you for everything. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for being here with us. Um, as we head into tomorrow, as we head into uh, later this day, God, you, you are with us. You walk with us and help us to be more attuned to how you are present uh, with us and you are walking with us, God. Um, because that really strengthens us in the faith and really encourages us. Um, so, Lord, thank you for your people. Thank you for allowing us to be here And Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ. And we pray for all these events coming up. It's all for your praise and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
Have a seat,
we've been in our series, But God, and as we're looking at the But God statements through the scriptures, we're looking and we're saying, okay, what is this about God stepping into life? You know, there, there, as you look at life, life happens a lot, doesn't it? But God steps in. And when you realize that God steps in and God has a plan, he has a purpose, now we can, we, we can like live life a little bit better. You can respond a little bit better. You can know that, okay, everything's going to be okay, because but God steps in. So we've looked at a number of those statements. Last week we looked at the, the evil things that happen in our lives, uh, the things that happen to us, uh, what they intended for evil, God intended for good. So but God, God steps in. Bad things happen, but God says, I can take the bad and I can turn them into good. That's how powerful our great God is. <clears throat> so today we're going to continue. We're going to look at a statement. We're going to give you a verse that we're going to start with. Then I'm going to, we're going to go into the Old Testament. I'm going to show you a passage that kind of mirrors this particular statement. And, uh, and I want you to hang in with me because there's a, it's a little bit of a heavier sermon, a little bit of a heavier message. But when we get to the end, we see but God. So you will hear a but God statement. But it's going to take a while to get to there today because I want to show you the background to this but God statement. All right? For the wages of sin, this is Romans 6.23. This is in the New Testament. For the, read it with me. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So how do we get eternal life? It's through Jesus Christ. But there is an issue. We have a problem. It's sin. The wages of sin is death. Uh, the, the scriptures talk about that. That's an eternal death that we will face if we do not receive the gift of eternal life. God gives bad news, but yet he gives good news. And it's all in one statement. For the wages of sin is death. But, there's your but God statement there, right? But God's gift. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And what this verse tells us here is there's a, there's a unique character of God. And I want you to catch it because in Scripture it says, the Scripture teaches that God is as holy and just as he is loved. God is as holy and just as he is love. Uh, would you say that with me? God is as holy and just as he is love. Now, when I talk about the love of God, everybody gets excited. Everybody loves to hear the love of God. But let me explain something to you that you cannot understand the love of God completely till you understand the holiness of God. God is holy. He is higher than all of us. There's nothing that, that we can do to attain the holiness of God in our own self. God is holy and just, just as much as he is love. What this tells us is that God is one day going to be the judge. He is the judge of all things on this earth. God is the judge. He is love, yet he is the judge. And if I could just say a little bit here about what's happening in our world right now. Our world, when they hear the word love... The world says, oh, love, well, you just love everybody, and everything's always happy all the time, and, and, and you know, and it, it doesn't matter who you are, whatever, we just love, and we should accept everything and everyone, everyone, all right? So, listen, there's a degree of truth to that, but love has got to go a little bit deeper. Love has to be able to have hard conversations. Love has to be able to, to deal with things that are unpleasant. You know, when my kids were little, I had to discipline them on occasion, Right? Uh, that's not a fun thing as a parent to discipline. But if you don't, you don't love your kids. That's a, that's a real hard thing because it's real easy. I mean, as a parent, you want the kids to always be happy. Just give them candy. Pull up the next video, right? They're going to be happy. They'll be quiet, right? And everything will be okay as long as they're just happy. 
Um, but let me tell you, they will not be just happy if we don't discipline them, if we don't help them to learn right from wrong. So your child goes up and, uh, and you don't tell them you know, that, that there's a hot burner on the oven. And you just say, well, he just wanted to put his hand on there. That's not loving him, right? Because you see there's impending danger and you have to tell them, no, this is going to harm you. Don't go there. Today's world that we live in has an issue with God. They have an issue with the holiness of God. And when we, when we start to put this together, it helps you understand what's happening in our world today. I think that we all have an issue with the holiness of God because we're not holy. There's none righteous, no, not one, the Scripture says. So whenever I start and I start to talk about holiness, you get a little bit uncomfortable. You go, okay, what's the sermon about today? I thought it was about, about God. Now you're talking holiness. Now, the holiness of God is, is part of the complete picture of God. When you understand how holy God is and that he's the judge, yet Scripture says that the wages of sin is death, but God gave us his free gift of eternal life. But God stepped in and gave you that free gift. You know why? It's because of the love of God that drove Jesus to the cross. Jesus left heaven to pay for your sin. Why? Because you were going to die. You would face judgment and he not died on the cross and paid for your sin. So the world that we live in today feels uncomfortable when we bring up God. When I say, well, God is holy, the world goes, oh, well. And they get all, they get mad, they get upset. Well, I want to do it my way. Proverbs says there's a way that seems right unto a man. The end leads to destruction. So we have this, this, this anger going on in the world today between humans and the holiness of God. Because we just can't take it that somebody else would make my decisions, that somebody else outside of me. See, we're living in this world where self makes all the decisions, and I make all the decisions based upon how I feel at this moment or how I feel how I want it to be in my life. And it's like this whole thing about pleasing self. Whenever you come and you realize that the holiness of God, that God has a standard that he's laid out, and I have fallen short of the standard, now I've got this uncomfortable moment because it's like, okay, I, 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 what am I to do with this? So the world has taken this, and they said, well, we'll just take God out of the picture. And as they've taken God out of the picture, they've taken the dividing line between them and God, which is the greatest division because our sin separates us from God. They have taken that and they've turned that horizontal dividing line into a vertical dividing line. And so if you disagree with me, you don't love me. Isn't that what you're hearing in the world today? If you disagree with me, you don't love me. And then it goes a step further. If you disagree with me, not only do you not love me, but now you're dangerous. And, folks, nothing could be farther from the truth. We've got a message that is God is holy, but he is love at the same time. And the world can't comprehend this because they, they, they want to make their own decisions. And they say, I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. I, and, and this is all about me. And listen, when I say that somebody else has to call the shots in your life, the system of the world, the way the world operates and acts, does not want that. They want everything to be self-reliant and what I can perform of myself. So when we understand the holiness of God and the justice of God and the love of God, we understand that he is the judge. God is going to be the judge. He is the judge of the world. We're living in a world that says if we disagree, we don't love, and the truth couldn't be farther. There's nothing farther from the truth. You know, with the world that I live in today, I love this world. I'm not of it, but I love it. And we care for every person in this community. 
Um, but I'll tell you what, there is a holiness of God. And it's okay that we disagree, but I'll tell you what, there's one day that the record will be settled, and that's in front of King Jesus. He's the judge, and when he passes the gavel, it's over. Um, how many of you have been watching baseball? Anybody been watching the Buccos? Yeah, it's been fun, isn't it? You know, I've been pretty excited as I watched the Pirates play, and uh, you know, watching them, the umpires, and it's nice on TV. They got the they got the video, and you can see the strike zone there, and and uh, and I'm like, oh, that was close, right on the edge. I went up to Ringgold High School and watched the high school boys play. Hunter's my nephew, Hunter. He's playing up there, so. I was watching them boys play, and man, there was a there was a wild you know uh, you know the, the strikeout and on the third pitch you know it was, we all thought it was a ball and he called it a strike and you should have heard all them parents man we can see it a mile away what's wrong with you you know one time there was an umpire called a strikeout on the very famous player Babe Ruth Babe Ruth said uh, he said you know how could you call that a strike as he turned to the umpire how could you call that a strike there are forty thousand people here who are of the opinion that that last pitch was a ball. Then the umpire smiled and said, that may be true, but my opinion is the only one that counts today. (laughs) And I want you to catch it because God is the umpire. God is the judge. And it doesn't matter what you're feeling or what 40,000 other people against one are saying. God is the judge. And this puts us in a whole different scenario of life. Because when I start to understand that he is as holy and just as he is loved, I have to put this whole picture together. Now, I told you that first verse would mirror a passage. I'm going to jump over here into, uh, into the story of Noah. Genesis chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. And we're going to build up to a but God statement. And as you see this but God statement right, right here in the story of Noah... Right when God's talking, we can catch the holiness of God and the grace of God, the love of God, all in one passage. Genesis chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Now it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful. Then they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever. For he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. He says, my, my spirit shall not strive, but I'm giving 120 years till I call the record. There, are, there were giants, Nephilim. Some of your translations will actually put that word Nephilim there. The, the Hebrew word for giant is Nephil, all right? And it means the fallen one, all right? So you can translate it as giant, the tall that fall. Or you can translate it as the fallen one. So there's a lot of questions over what was actually happening around this passage. But there were giants, Nephilim, on the earth in those days and also afterwards. When the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and the beast and the creeping thing, uh, the creeping thing and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. 
And as you look at this passage here, there's so much there. I, I couldn't possibly deal with it in a half hour. Who are the sons of God and the daughters of men? Uh, listen, that, as you go through there, there's theories out there, and I've read all of them. One theory is that it was a, fallen angels had intermingled with humans, and they began, to, they began to procreate this weird race. And so you have this, and there's just a number of holes in all of these theories that say, okay, I'm, I'm not sure I understand what it was there. There's another theory that says it was the descendants of the line of Seth intermingling with the descendants of the line of Cain. Seth was the God in line. Cain was the fallen line, this, uh, this, this uh, uh, you know, walking away from God line. Either way, here's what we know. We know it was a tremendous time of evil. We know there was evil that was abounding on the earth. And verse 3 sums it up, what, that, what is all happening here. The Lord says, my spirit shall not always strive with man forever. Now, I want you to catch this because what we're seeing here is that God is the judge. He is holy. He is forbearing. But there is a day that he will call up the judgment. So while there is, uh, he says, my spirit shall not strive with man forever, but he will. He is striving. So there is a striving period there. So man, his, he says, my spirit will not strive forever. One day I'm going to call it up. This tells us that the Lord is patient. He is the judge, but he is patient with us. Look here at Psalm 103. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. God is slow to anger. Thanks be to God for this verse. He has a long fuse. I've told you before that, you know, with anger, I, uh, I try not to ever light the fuse because my fuse is short. When I light it, boom, it's over, right? Uh, God says, I have a long fuse. The fuse is long and it's slowly burning and then he will call the judgment. The Lord is merciful. He's gracious. Mercy. Mercy is God not giving you what you deserve. You catch that? God is giving you, not giving you what you deserve. What do I deserve? What do you deserve? As a sinner before God, we deserve to go to a place, the real place the Bible calls hell. However, the free gift of God is eternal life, right? So we have the wages of sin, but the free gift of God is eternal life. The Lord is slow to anger. How patient is the Lord? He is patient. In the Old Testament, we see words like long-suffering. Thirteen times God is called long-suffering. We see numerous verses use this, this phrasing here, slow to anger. You go home and just you can research how many times does God use that term, slow to anger. It's all over the Old Testament. How patient is God? Well, let me tell you. Adam, when he first sinned, God put him Adam and Eve in the garden. He said, of this tree you shall not eat. So one tree, that's all they had was one, and they blew it, right? So he goes over, and they sin, they take of this tree. Adam and Eve, he said, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. So immediately, spiritual separation. Death talks about separation. Spiritual separation happened immediately. Remember, they were hiding from God. They had this freedom of a relationship with God. Now they're hiding from God. So they're, they're estranged from God, and God comes around and looking for them and pursuing them from day one after they sin. However, the physical death would come because physical death was not part of God's original plan. He says, if the soul that does this will die. So he, they go eat it, and they die. So what happens? As they, die, as they eat it, they die. Adam... Adam was 930 years old when he died. 
And you thought you were old. 930 years old when he died. Do you see the long patience that God had? God still called the record, but it was a 930 year before the record was called. I want you to think about a group called the Canaanites. If you go in the scripture and you read about the Canaanites, you'll find out that they had a long history. It was an 800 year history before their iniquity was to be full. Um, Noah was a preacher of righteousness for 120 years, God tells us. So in the days of Noah, he gave them a fuse of 120 years before he called the record. God is slow to anger. There was a, there was a, a, a famous atheist back in the day in England. His name was Robert Ingersoll. And Robert Ingersoll, he would go, and as he would uh, have meetings, he would talk and try and con- tell people not to believe in God. He would give them all his human reasoning why that, why that you should not believe in God. He would stand up, and one of the things he did at the end, one day he took off his watch, and he laid down his watch on the podium, and he said, hmm, I'm going to set it for five minutes. And he looks and he says, if God is real, he can strike me dead in the next five minutes. And he places that down on the podium. People begin to sweat. People begin to get a little concerned, especially the people in the front row. Because if lightning's going to strike them, I don't want to be that close to this event. I read that one lady actually passed out from the, from the trauma of what she was feeling. Five minutes came and five minutes went. And he says, see, there is no God. God could have taken me down and he, and he didn't. So God doesn't exist. Well, somebody had told that to the famous Joseph Parker. He was one of the great preachers of London at that time. And Joseph Parker heard it, and he, he laughed, and he said, Hmm, did anybody, uh, did the gentleman presume to exhaust the patience of the eternal God in five minutes? He heard about this guy, says, did, did this man really think that he could exhaust the patience of God in five minutes? God is slow to anger. He's not going to wipe you out in five minutes. God has a fuse that is so long, and thanks be to God. I thank God for his long fuse, don't you? For me, listen, I needed the long fuse. I need the slow to anger God. God is slow to anger in how he deals with us, but yet he still deals with us. And he is holy and just, so as much as he loves you, he is holy and just. And his love is not negated by his holiness, and his holiness is not negated by his love. You see, without that holiness, you wouldn't understand his love. I deserve the sacrifice. You deserve the sacrifice. But Jesus said, step aside, and, he, and Jesus paid the price for your sin. Uh, look, we're, we all have been extended this grace. Everyone. No one is exempt from the, from the pending judgment. Look here. Hebrews 9.27. And is it appointed? And it is appointed for men to die once. But after this, the judgment. God has given grace in your life. Every day of your life, he's given you grace to come to Jesus. How old are you? Look back at the calendar. God has given you all this time to come to him. Here's the deal. It's a point on the man wants to die. We will die once. And then judgment. Then you have to stand before God. And as you face that judgment and you stand before God, it's too late then to do anything about it. You have to do something about it while you're still alive. And this is the period of the slow fuse, the the, the long fuse, the slow to anger that God has given for us in our life. And I want you to think about this because not only did he do that, he he came and he, he gave you the opportunity to trust him. 
It's appointed unto man once to die, but then the judgment. Every day you live is an opportunity to come to Christ. There's just one issue. I don't want you to put this off thinking I'll do that when I get old. Because many people don't get old. Many people don't get old. I've often heard people say, well, when I'm 90, I'll do that. Let me tell you. Look at the statistics. Few make it to 90. I have a few here today. She's 96. Would you give Joy a hand? She just had a birthday. Joy is 96. She just had a birthday. There's no other 90s in your row there, is there? All right, I'm not even going to go there. I don't want to get hit. I don't want to get hit, all right? Is there any other 90s in this auditorium? I want to recognize you. All right? Now, listen, I just want you to know, you know why there's not a whole lot of 90s here? Because not a whole lot of people make it to 90. It's something. Whenever I do funerals for people that are older, they're very small because all their friends died. So, Joy, we're happy you're still with us. Keep it going, girl. Keep it going. Yeah. (laughs) She's phenomenal, okay? But I I want you to catch this. You aren't guaranteed to be 90. I lost a brother at 34. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. So what does God say? He says, behold, today is the appointed time. Now is the appointed time. Today is the day of salvation. So come to Jesus now. Um, I want you to think, think with me a little bit about this. In the days of Noah. Oh, man, in the days of Noah. What would that have been like? Jesus himself talked about the days of Noah. He says, uh, Matthew chapter 24. And by the way, Jesus is going to here refer to Noah And when Jesus quotes and talks about, hey, this is the days of Noah, I want you to catch it. He's talking about the fact that it is he validates it. This is the story of Noah is not some little story with a good moral at the end. It's not some allegory. There was a global flood where God's judgment came in and wiped out humanity. And he said, I will preserve, I will have grace, and I'm going to put them in a boat, and we are going to continue on to the next phase of human history. So catch that but as the days of noah were so also will be so also will the coming of the son of man be for as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage until the day that noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away so also will the coming of the son of man be now i want you to think what it would have been like in the days of noah noah's out there building an ark He's 500 years old building an ark. Think about that. 500 years old building an ark. It says at the end of the flood he was 600. So he takes this time and he's building an ark. It had never rained before. There was no Pittsburgh. Okay? This is Dripburg, right? Drenchburg, right? There was no rain before. There was a vapor canopy. And you can do some study about this. It's kind of interesting. This vapor canopy that, uh, that was around the earth, and when the flood happened, many people, many scientists believe that that broke, and that's how the flood happened, all right? Um, Here's what happened. God had this plan, and he says, I'm going to do this. I've got to pass the judgment on the people. So he's out there, and he's, he's doing his work. He's building the ark 120 years, and then all of a sudden, God says, all right, get in the boat. And nobody else goes in there but his family. Do you know that's how we are today? We're out telling a world that says, the world that says, I'm all about self, I'm all about me, I'm going to do whatever I want whenever I want to do it, and we're broadcasting, come to Jesus, come to Jesus. He says, that's what it will be like in the end times 
when Jesus comes back. Folks, Jesus is coming back. And let me show you a couple little things here in this passage. The days of Noah, how do they correlate to the, to the days uh, that we're living in today? Well, first of all, there's an increase in population. Uh, you've probably heard about this on the media. They love to talk about the increase in population. Uh, verse 1, now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth. Um, there, was a, there was an increase of population. Dr. John Whitcomb, I got to hear him whenever I was a student at Word of Life Bible Institute. He was uh, one of the great scholars on creationism, and he wrote a book. One of his books that I read was called The Genesis Flood. But he talks in there in, in some of his writings, him and another man by the name of Henry Norris, they together did, looked at the genealogies that, were, that we have recorded, looked at the eight, uh, 18 generations that were recorded up until this point, and they did some math and they did some calculation, uh, population growth, and they came up with a very conservative number that at the time of the flood there were 774 million people alive. I've read others that think it was over a billion Maybe two billion. Um, we don't know, but I'll tell you what, the population was increasing. Now, I want you to think about this today. Since the flood, in 1804, is the first time that we hit the billion mark. So since, since the flood, and why is that? Why didn't it grow as rapidly? Well, because men lived shorter after that. Psalm 90 says that we would live to be 70 or 80 if we have the strength, right? So our lifetime in, in modern era is 100 years is really a, a, a long lifetime, right? So and, uh, in 1804, we hit 100 billion. I'm sorry, we hit 1 billion in 1804. In 1927, the world population became 2 billion. Oh, it's doubling, huh? In 1960, I'm sorry, 1927, it was 2 billion. In 1960, it became 3 billion. I was born in 1968. Today, 2023, we hit 8 billion people. There's a population increase. You're hearing it in the media. They want to tell you, hey, we've got to do this, we've got to watch this because we're, uh, you know, and, and you hear this whole thing about population. Um, what was happening in the days of Noah? There was an increase in sexual depravity. There was a sinful breakdown of the family. And as the sinful breakdown of the family happened, what was happening? Sons of God were intermarrying with the daughters of men. And we see this whole, what was happening was sexual promiscuity. The family was now replaced by a sexual freedom that led to a sexual perversion. And folks, that's what's happening in our world today. The world, is, the world is dealing with this, and the world is saying, listen, I'm going to do whatever makes me feel good. And as you come into this, folks, you've got to understand, what does God teach about sex? God teaches that it's a man and a woman. And that's how God ordained it. That's how God designed it. And when we step outside of that realm, then we are stepping out and we're saying, okay, God, I don't care what you said. I've got to do what I've got to do. And, folks, I want to encourage you, always come back to what God says. You see, because if you go to do what you, what you think is right, well, judgment day is coming. God says, I need you to understand how I designed you. Folks, you were designed, you were created and designed in the image and the likeness of God. That's pretty powerful. So therefore, we don't have to go out and try and get my needs met from whatever I think should happen in my life. 
I've got to come back to God. And so in this whole area of sexuality, uh, why are people confused today? People are confused on all of this sexuality. Why? Because they've taken this and they said, we don't care what God says. I'm going by how I feel. And folks, I cannot take anything in my life by how I feel. Because, listen, with my own issues, how I feel rides a wave. And how I feel can drive me to do terribly terrible things in my life so i can't ride by how i feel so our whole the whole world we're living in is living around a self issue right now and this is why the division because well you don't like me no that's not the issue the issue is there's a holy god and judgment day is coming judgment day is coming so not only was there an increase in uh in in the uh, sexual perver- uh, perversions man you look today Today, you turn on the TV, it's sexual perversion. You turn on uh, everything, that, you know, the big talk is sex without relationship. The family has been broken down in today's world. And as we break down that family, boy, that just keeps rooting and destroying our world that we live in. We are in this broken state. Uh, there was an increase in wickedness. Verse 5 talks about how the human wickedness had increased. There was wickedness was growing out of bounds on the earth. Then the Lord saw this wickedness of man was great in the earth. Man, it just, God said, I can't take it anymore. Uh, increase in violence. Man, there was an increase in violence. Genesis 6:11. the earth was so corrupt. The earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Turn on the news today. You hear about all kind of violence. You hear about stabbings, you hear about shootings, you hear about guys driving cars into crowds. This world is really getting to that same place. There's a judgment day that's coming. Jesus is coming back, folks. I want you to know that Jesus is coming back, and he will call up the judgment. He promised to never flood the earth again. Thanks be to God, amen? He promised to never flood the earth again, but he did promise he will still be judged. And as you go through all the scripture, you see all these things that were just beating them down, beating them down, beating the people down because of their own sin, and they're destroyed. And God says, man, all I need you to do is turn to me. Just turn to me. So what are we supposed to do in our period of long-suffering, of God's long-suffering? Well, we're to repent. Jesus himself said it like this, and you can read this with me. Let's read it together. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Hmm, what does it mean to repent? It means to change your inner self. To change your old way of thinking. Regret your past sin. Live your life in a way that proves repentance. Seek God's purpose for your life. You're going opposite of God's way. You're going to turn around and go God's way. And I'm not saying that that's always easy. What I'm saying is, as you surrender your desires to God's desires, the Scriptures tells us that He will give you the desires of your heart. When I surrender my desire to God's desire, then He gives you the desires of your heart. Now, that sounds backwards, doesn't it? But catch this. God, you know this is what I feel and what I think is the right way I ought to live my life. And God says, surrender that to me, follow my way, and I will give you the desires of your heart. It means he gives you a whole new desire, and then he fulfills those desires. That's what God does. See, that's how we go from death unto life. 
Um, Genesis 6-8 is the greatest verse in that little passage here in Genesis 6. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Man, you know what? Noah found grace. That's the only way you're going to find grace, folks, is in the eyes of the Lord. Don't go looking to the culture or to the world, to your family, to your boss. Don't go looking there for grace. You're never going to be filled with grace from those people. You'll find grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What is grace? Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Would you say that with me? Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. So Jesus died on the cross to give you all the riches of God. Christ, all the riches come from Jesus Christ. That's grace. You get the favor. Some translations in Genesis 6 For the word grace, they put the word favor in there. It's the same word. Uh, Grace, favor from God. You don't get it by doing it on your own. It comes in the eyes of the Lord. The eye of an eagle. I want you to think about this. He says there, he says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The eye of an eagle. Now check this out. The eye of an eagle has eight times more visual cells per cubic centimeter than human beings, which enables an eagle at 600 feet above the earth to spot an object the size of a dime in six inches of grass. Those are some pretty good eyes. He can spot a three-inch fish jump out of the lake from five miles away. Now you know why you're afraid of them birds. Those are good eyes. What must the eyes of the Lord be like? God's not sitting up there with two eyes like binoculars looking down on the earth. He's talking about the eyes of the Lord that know everything into your heart and soul. Hebrews says this, There's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to him, to the eyes of him of whom we must give an account. So there's pending judgment coming. Pending judgment, but look at the story of grace here. 2 Peter 2.5, Peter says this. He says, God did not spare the ancient world, but he saved Noah. Judgment, grace. Why did he save Noah? He did not save Noah because Noah was a good person. I think many people read that. They'll read because first it says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Then later on it talks about him being a just man. God did not look down on Noah because of anything that Noah did, but because of his response to the grace of God. Henry Norris says this. He says, note the consistent biblical order here. First, Noah found grace. Then, Noah was a just man. He was declared righteous by God. Then, he was perfect in his generations. The meaning complete is what the scripture teaches there. He was complete as far as God's records are concerned. And therefore, he was able to walk with God. He had friendship, communication with God. Salvation in any era is exactly in this way. By the grace of God received through faith, the believer is justified before God and declared to be complete in Him, only as a result of and on the basis of this glorious gift of grace can one then walk in fellowship with God, showing the genuineness of His faith by the way He lives. Folks, we are saved by the grace of God. Judgment came on the world. Grace. Noah found grace. That's why you're here today, because you're looking for grace. 
looking to find grace in the eyes of the Lord. And that's that Noah was a sinner just like all of us. Noah needed the grace of God just like you and I do. Uh, But God, so the whole sermon today is on but God. But God is at the very center of this whole story. But God, that's the third point in your notes. But God is at the very center. I'm going to read just some highlights because here he, he builds the ark. He goes into the ark. Two of every kind come into the ark, right? All the animals come in there. And then he goes into the ark, and, uh, and the world is flooded, and then he comes out. And that's the basic storyline of the flood. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read to you a few verses. And as I read these verses, I want you to make note of some numbers. Because sometimes when you see numbers in God's Word, it says, pay attention, lean into this. And I'm going to show you how the but God is at the very center. Because as you go through chapter 7, verse 10, beginning in verse 10, he says, And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. So Noah goes into the boat, shut the door. He's in there for seven days. Now, could you imagine you've done 120 years of this, and now you're like, oh, I'm in here with all these animals, and I got seven extra days of this stuff to clean up. Okay, what is going to happen here, right? 7.17 says that for 40 days the flood kept coming on the earth, and as the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. Hmm. We go from 7 to 40. Genesis 7.24 says that the waters flooded the earth for 150 days. So we had rain for 40, but 150 days that the, before, the, before, the, you know, before it was no longer considered a flood. Genesis 8.3 says... Now, we're going to go back down. Watch the numbers descend here. The water receded steadily from the earth. At the end of 150 days, the water had gone down. Hmm. Genesis 8, 6 says, After 40 days, Noah opened the window that he had made in the ark and sent out a raven, and it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. 150, another 40 on the other side. He waited seven more days. Genesis 8.10, and again set out the dove from the ark. So this is known as a chiasm. I want you to catch this. It's an ancient literary, literary style of writing that would get your attention. So the number's going up the mountain. I'm going to put up this diagram. This is my mountain. I drew that mountain for you, okay? Um, it's not a pyramid. It's a mountain. Going up the mountain in Genesis 7, we see the number 7. We see the number 40. We see the number 150. The passage continues, and there's something right in the middle. I'm going to come back and show you what's in the middle. But you round it, and you go down the other side. Genesis 8, we go 150, we go 40, and we go 7. Right dead center of all this text is Genesis 8, 1, but God. Right there. So when the writer was doing this, he was directing your attention so that you would pay attention to the central point of the whole passage. The central point of the whole flood is but God. That is the main point of the whole deal. Look here, Genesis 8.1, but God remembered Noah. You know what? This doesn't mean that God forgot Noah. God wasn't like, well, you know, I flooded the earth 150 days ago. I forgot he's out there in a boat. God remembered. You know what remembered means in the scripture? Remembered means that God was waiting, uh, that he's working on the person's behalf. He is choosing to work on the person's behalf for his good. 
God remembered Noah. Folks, God was not absent in this whole picture. God remembered Noah. And folks, I want you to catch this too. The main player in the biblical account is God. The entire story points back to God. Folks, that's got to be the main point of our life is God. We've got to let him be the main point of everything. God remembered Noah. Right now, some of you are going through some storms. You're in your own little ark out there, and things are hurting, man. You're, you're being, feeling like you're being tossed up and down all over the place. Let me say this. God remembers you. God remembers you. Not only did he remember Noah, he remembers you. God remembers you. God knows your name. He knows everything about you, and he's choosing to work on your behalf in the midst of all these storms. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, My grace is sufficient for you. You know what you need, folks? You need the grace of God. It is sufficient. God's grace is all that you need. His, my strength is made perfect in my weakness. All I need is the strength of God. It has been made sufficient. It is sufficient. The grace of God. Folks, God had a plan for Noah. God's got a plan for you. There's pending judgment, but there's grace. Noah was an offender who needed the grace of God, and God declared him righteous. Folks, we're offenders. We need the grace of God, and we get declared righteous by the hand of God. God may have started this in your life some time ago, and I want you to be reminded of what Philippians 1, 6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Who began the work? God. Who's going to finish it? Not you. God. Now I'm going to wrap up with this thought. And we're going to close. John 5.24. Look what Jesus says. He says, Most assuredly, this is the words of Jesus, I say to you, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life, and read the next phrase with me, and shall not come in to judgment. Folks, that's the answer. If you've trusted Jesus Christ, there's no judgment for you. Do you see the power? See, you don't understand that until you understand the judgment. Now that you understand his holiness... Do you understand his love? And he doesn't say, most assuredly, I tell you, everybody that becomes, uh, does all the Jewish festivals, most assuredly, I tell you, everybody who does all these rituals, says, do you believe? Do you trust him? God will pass you from death unto life, and there's no judgment. Romans 8, 1 says, There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Folks, we have a greatest message to celebrate. We have been set free. There's no judgment, not because of what I do, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. Amen? And I want to take it a step further. Noah, when he got in that ark, I tell you, he was thinking about all the people that are on the outside of the ark. Believing in Jesus is our ark today. Believing in Jesus is your ark today. He's going to take you through the judgment, and you're going to be fine on the other side. He is protecting you. 
you're his child. The grace of God comes out. But let me tell you, this whole town needs to get in the ark. We've got to get the whole world out. You have lost friends, people that need Jesus. It is urgent, folks. Let me tell you, judgment is coming. Jesus is coming back again. Oh, they said that when I was a kid. Listen, Jesus is coming back again. He is coming. The Word shows it. I've just showed you a few things here today that show, hey, we're getting closer and closer to that moment. We don't know when He's coming, just like they didn't know when the rain would come. And so it must be in the days when the Son of Man will return. Let's close in prayer. Today I've given you a lot. It's heavy. The holiness of God. But thanks be to God that God did not walk away from the holiness. His holiness did not walk away from His love. He loves you. He paid the price for your sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If that's you this morning, that you would like to open your heart to Jesus, I, I want to invite you. Maybe God's been knocking at your door today. You've been hearing him tap on your heart. And he's saying, let me in. There's a surrender that needs to take place. It's no longer about what you want. It's about what God wants. And he's the only one that really counts. Don't get the opinion of your co-workers. Don't get the opinion of the culture. Don't get the opinion of anybody. Get the opinion of God. But God remembered Noah. So today, if that's you, I'd like to invite you to pray and trust Jesus. You can pray something like this. Dear God, I come before you and I'm a sinner. I need you, Lord. I've offended your holiness. But I'm so thankful today for your grace. God, would you step into my life today? Jesus died on the cross. He paid for my sin. He rose again. And I believe. I believe. And I accept your free gift of eternal life today. For others in here, maybe you need to focus on the fact that God still remembers you. God's still working in and through your life. Maybe for others, God's brought a name to your heart of somebody that needs Christ. Somebody that we need to invite to Jesus because Jesus is coming back soon. God, thank you. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the power that we find in it. Thank you for these but God moments where you stepped in and you intervened. God, we thank you for your character. You're holy, you're just, and you're love all at the same time. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song today. And we're, I guess they're just going to play the closing song, all right? God bless you. You are dismissed. Greet a few people around you. Have a great day, all right? God bless.